The MMA on the Rocks podcast is intended for adult audiences and does contain some explicit content. So if you are not an adult, please make sure your parents do not know you are listening to this and do not repeat anything you hear on this show in front of them. Also a reminder that even if you fight recklessly, please remember to drink responsibly. Now that we have that out of the way, let's get to the show. Hi, welcome to MMA on the Rocks. My name is Bill Welker. You are listening to episode number 64, or you're watching episode number 64 on YouTube. Very likely the last episode for a while, so I wanted to get one more in um, as I'm here waiting for Hurricane Irma to hit my area. Uh, pretty, pretty long story what I've been through the last couple of days, and I'm glad I get the opportunity to document it in this way. So it's definitely hasn't been an easy last couple of days. I had to evacuate twice. Um, For now, I think I'm in a pretty safe area on the east coast of Florida, a little north of Daytona Beach. So what happened was initially where I live was a mandatory evacuation zone near Clearwater, Florida. So I had to make the call to get my family out of there, get my pets out of there, my elderly pets that I'm sure a lot of you see on social media. Uh, And we evacuated to Tampa, and we were on the fifth floor of a high-rise where it looked like we were going to be okay because the storm was tracking to go up the East Coast. And then 4 a.m. yesterday morning, I think, we woke up and discovered that the storm had changed directions or it hadn't been tracked right or whatever the case. It was actually heading up the West Coast right toward Tampa. And we would have been looking at about 15 feet of flood water where we were uh, right on Hillsborough Bay. So had to make the call and scramble to get out of there. I'm not going to lie. I was pretty nervous. <laughs> so we had to you know, grab what we could. And uh, luckily, uh, a good friend uh, his, his parents ha- have a house that they aren't using in Palm Coast, which is a little north of Daytona, a little bit inland, which looks like it's not in the path of this thing. So that's where we're shelled up now, but we're still expecting to lose power and have some flooding and fun stuff like that. So I'm trying to prepare as best I can. Uh, we weren't able to bring any candles. So I was thinking what I was going to do if the lights went out. So I started making candles. Uh, <laughs> and, and you can kind of see how I did this. On Instagram, I, I made a little Instagram story about it at MMA on the Rocks. So what I did was I took a, a mason jar and I put some rocks in the bottom and some water. And then I poured some olive oil on top. And then I, I cut some thread off of a mop. And I soaked the mop thread in olive oil. And I cut the bottom off of a water bottle. And I put a hole in the bottom of it. And I put the oil-soaked mop thread through that. And I sit it floating in the olive oil in the jar, uh, and it works pretty well. So I tested it out. So I got that. And then I took some Old Spice pomade, like the stuff you put in your hair, <laughs> and I melted that, and I put that in another jar with, a, with my makeshift mop wick. Uh, we're going to see how that works because that stuff has, uh, I think, castor oil and, uh, and a little bit of wax in there. So we'll see how it goes. Got some flashlights, got some food, got some water. 
I got some beer, <laughs> and I was able to catch the fights last night. Uh, so we'll get into that. Uh, I'll, t I'll talk a little bit more about the hurricane, but first let me introduce my co-host all the way from uh, hopefully dry New Jersey, Jeff the Animal Wilson. Jeff, how are you doing this uh, Sunday afternoon, buddy? Bill, uh, a little bit better than you are. Uh, it's, pr it's pretty sunny out here. Uh, there is no, uh, I don't think there's a cloud in the sky. I haven't looked outside yet, but, uh, I don't think there's a cloud in the sky. So, uh, but I'm hoping for the best, uh, my prayers and good vibes are heading out to you and the entire state of Florida. The Caribbean I know has been hit really hard. Uh, so, uh, I believe if I'm not mistaken that Irma has gone down to a category three, um, yeah, word there's, on that? there's different, uh, Dif different reports it's depending who you listen to you know like anything with the with the media sources you got to watch a couple of different ones and then kind of fall somewhere in the middle so uh yeah i i think i'm a lot better off than than most people i, I definitely feel for people who didn't have the means to evacuate or or waited too long or you know they just couldn't mobilize you know there's a lot of uh, elderly people here in florida obviously who who couldn't get anywhere and hopefully they found their way to shelter and things like that. And, and people in the Caribbean, obviously it's hard to get off of an Island. Uh, there's only so many planes and only so many boats that can get you out of there. So, uh, it, you know, like I said on the last episode, when we were talking about hurricane Harvey, if you're listening and you have the means and, and you can donate some money or supplies to the red cross or any other reputable charity, please do so uh, and help the people. Uh, who are not able to help themselves. Uh, again, I feel very fortunate that I was able to get my family out of there. And I'm very motivated, Jeff, and I didn't want to announce it under these circumstances, but I'm especially motivated because I'm going to be a father in January. And uh, <laughs> so got a pregnant girlfriend that I'm dragging all across Florida trying to run away from a hurricane. And uh, <laughs> I got <laughs> I to take care of her. We got to make sure you know, we get somewhere safe. Uh, I'm going to make sure uh, I, I see this baby come into this world in January. And I'm, I'm so excited about it. And it's given me that extra drive to, uh, you know, make sure I, I see my way through this thing. So I'm going to be, a, I'm going to be a daddy, Jeff. <laughs> yeah, Bill. And I'm super excited for you. I, I mean, I've known for a while. I know a couple of your friends on Facebook have known for a while, uh, but dude, congratulations. I, I know you've been trying for a while, so I'm really happy for you guys. And honestly, I'm excited too. I mean, I got uh, two nephews and a niece. So, you know, I, Bill, I consider you family. So I feel like I'm getting another niece coming into this world. So I'm really excited for you. There you go. Uncle Animal Wilson. <laughs> I like the I like the ring. When, I like the ring to that. When, so, Bill, before we when's, get... When's Uncle Animal coming over? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, definitely. Maybe I'm thinking maybe like in the summer I'll go check you guys out once you guys uh, fall into a little bit of a rhythm. But, Bill, uh, before we, go, we get into the uh, MMA action, talk me a little bit about the evacuation process because, you know... Um, in Florida, unlike in New Jersey and maybe some other parts of the country, you guys have evacuation routes. I remember seeing signs all over the place when I was in Florida for evacuation routes. Um, so talk me through the process. You know, what, what were you thinking? And also, like, what did you guys have to, like, physically do? Give me some times about, like, uh, how long it took you to get certain places. I imagine traffic was a nightmare. Yeah. Um, so like anything else, there there are plans and things in place, but 
a lot like fighting, you know, how they say everybody has a plan until you get punched in the face. So a lot of these things, you know, they're there and they're in place, but it's also like you have to be proactive about it. You can't say like, oh, there's an evacuation route so I can wait. Uh, so what I did was as soon as there was even talks of mandatory evacuation, I left where I was near the, near the, near the beach. I, I essentially live on an island, so I didn't want to get stuck out there. And when they announce a mandatory evacuation, that doesn't mean that you have to leave. That means if you don't leave, there's not going to be anybody to rescue you. They're not going to send out, uh, you know, the fire department and the police department, everything like that. They're evacuating too. So if you choose to stay, uh, you know, you're on your own. They're, they make that very clear that, you know, if you put yourself in that situation, you don't get out of there. There's not going to be anybody to help you if you're stuck in a flood or a tree falls on your house or, or whatever the case. You know, I think a lot of people uh, try to be try to be a little bit too bold and they think they have plenty of food and water. They'll be okay with no power for a little while. But, you know, what do you do if you're in an area where you can't get out? Um, so I think a lot of people are finding themselves in that situation. And especially where I was, it was looking like the storm was going to go the other way. So everybody on the East coast was kind of crossing over to the West coast where we were. Uh, and then yesterday morning, all of a sudden this thing's changing course and it's supposed to, uh, basically take a direct hit on Tampa Bay and it's still heading that way. Uh, it's, you know, destroying the Florida Keys and everything like that. So as soon as we heard that we got out of the West coast, headed across the state and North a little bit. So we're over here on the East coast where we're still supposed to get hurricane winds and it's going to be pretty bad, but, uh, we're not supposed to get as much flooding and storm surge as they are over in Tampa. So the evacuation routes and everything like that uh, are great and it's good to have a plan, but you have to be proactive about it. You can't just sit back and say like, oh, well, there's going to be a way out because there's evacuation routes. You have to act early and, and act fast. And, um, you know, unfortunately, a lot of people don't. People kind of sit back and they kind of want to see what happens and then all of a sudden they get slammed with traffic. So uh, since I was up at 4 a.m. yesterday, I was able to see right away, you know, multiple news sources I watched saying that the storm was tracking to head west, and I just had to make a quick decision. I got out of there, and luckily we had no traffic. We got across the state of Florida in about two and a half hours, uh, and you know, the whole time listening to the radio and everything like that, and uh, hearing about how people were just starting to think about leaving the West Coast, and we were we had already been gone. We had, you know, I, I called my buddy, and he said. You know, I would be able to get into his house here. And, you know, we're, we're very fortunate that, that we made that decision. And, you know, we're not out of the, <laughs> we're not out of the uh, fire yet. It, you know, it's still going to hit us pretty hard over here. So we got to kind of just brace ourselves. I got my homemade candles. We got lots of food. Um, and, and hopefully, you know, we don't get washed out of here with, uh, you know, little baby on the way and we got some elderly pets uh my cat's pretty sick right now so it's been a scary time jeff i'm not ashamed to say it uh, i've been nervous the last couple of days trying to get out of here and uh i'm fortunate for where we are and i'm fortunate that i'm able to document it in this way and and talk to you about this and talk about some mixed martial arts which is you know one of the things i love most and I was able to watch the fights last night. I was uh, streaming them 
from where we were. You know, we still have power and Wi-Fi. Might not have power for too much longer, so uh, I'm glad I'll be able to post this episode, hopefully. And, um, you know, I'll keep documenting everything, too. I'll, I'll try and stay on Twitter a little bit and, and on uh, Instagram. I'll post some Instagram stories when the storm starts hitting, and then, uh, you know, I'll, I'll go offline when I need to. So any other thoughts or questions about this hurricane business, Jeff, this, this bitch Irma rolling through is really ruining everybody's, uh, day over here. Or, or do you want to move on to some MMA? What else you got? Yeah, Bill, it was really cool to get your thoughts and, and, you know, get your firsthand experience in all this. Uh, so again, I'm hoping for the best for you guys sending good vibes your way. Um, but, you know, let's uh, let's move on a little bit to, to something that we both enjoy. We can both get riled up about, um, which is uh, I don't know how riled up Amanda Nunez and Shevchenko were last night, but I think we can get a little bit more riled up than then than them. So let's uh, let's jump right into this card here, Bill. So any initial thoughts on UFC 215? Because, um, you know, we found out at least uh, you told me uh, Friday morning right before I had to start teaching. I couldn't answer you right away. But um, Friday morning, unfortunately, Ray Borg came down with a viral infection, something like that, so he had to pull out of the fight. And, Bill, I personally think that he saved the card. But, Bill, what, what's your take on all this? Yeah, I, I tend to agree. It, it, the main event last night kind of let the wind out of the sails on what was overall a pretty spectacular card. There were some awesome fights up and down UFC 215 uh, from Edmonton, Canada last night. I, I really enjoyed the card. The main event even, uh, it was kind of, it, there was like a weird tension. It, it was like neither one of them wanted to make the wrong move. They both respect each other a lot. I'm talking, of course, about the bantamweight champion Amanda Nunez and the challenger Valentina Shevchenko. But yeah, that, that card, uh, that that main event did kind of drag on a little bit. So to have another fight after that one, and it ended pretty late too. It ended, uh, you know, pretty close to 1 a.m. here on the East Coast. And I was exhausted from being up so early and everything else that was going on. So I was kind of fading anyway. But there was kind of a weird tension with that main event uh, where it was like neither one of them wanted to pull the trigger, but you know both of them could. So that's what kind of saved it for me. I kind of had it even going into the fifth round. So I thought Amanda Nunez had clearly won the first round. Uh, and then I thought the second and third, I believe, went to Shevchenko. And then Nunez took the fourth. I, I might be confusing the third and fourth. But either way, I, I know when I was watching the fight, I had it two to two. And then that fifth round was real close. And Nunez got those takedowns. And they were the only takedowns in the fight. So I, I didn't think it was too absurd that the decision went her way, especially since she was the champion. And when it's so close, uh, you got you to gotta kind of give it to the champ, you know, when it could go either way. Uh, you know, that's how boxing works. I, I feel like it should be like that in mixed martial arts as well. It, it typically is, too. You've got you to beat the champ. You know, if you don't decisively beat the champ, then, you know, the decision is going to go their way. So... Uh, despite being exhausted and despite being uh, a slower fight uh, compared to some of the other action-packed fights on the card, uh, I, I enjoyed it, and uh, I, I didn't think it was a terrible decision. I know the 
crowd didn't agree. What did you think, Jeff? How did you score this one, or or who did you think deserved to get the nod here? Bill, it's it's tough because I kind of ha- I I'm with you. I kind of had it two two uh, going into the fifth round, but I I think Shevchenko had just a little bit more output. I think she was a little bit more aggressive. Um, especially in the later rounds, you know, in the beginning, Nunez did a really good job of backing her up. Um, and yeah, it was really tentative. It was, it was a little, uh, off putting at first. There was a lot of booing in the crowd at one point. Um, they started chanting, they started chanting, uh, let's go Oilers <laughs> in the, in the <laughs> arena. <laughs> yeah. So, I thought um, I had heard something like that. It was, it, it was hard to tell. That's pretty yeah. funny. Yeah, so, you know, the crowd wasn't super into it. But, um, you know, I, I can't blame either fighter for fighting the way they did. Uh, they had a lot of respect for each other. And uh, I want to credit Nunez's um, cardio because she, you know, I thought she was going to gas uh, towards the championship round, and she looked great. Um, in between the third and fourth rounds, uh, she let out this lioness roar uh, <laughs> yeah. in between rounds. So, you know, she was fired up. And I think um, I think those first couple rounds with her pushing forward, keeping uh, Shevchenko up against the cage, I think that's what won it for her. And uh, in addition to the takedowns that you mentioned. Yeah, so Shevchenko was the betting favor going into this. And I think the cardio of Amanda Nunez was the X factor because the first time they fought, Amanda Nunez uh, clearly won the first two rounds, but then completely gassed in the third round, like almost had to be carried out of the cage. So you know, logic tells you that if it had gone five rounds, Shevchenko would have easily been able to get Amanda Nunez out of there because there was no way she was able to go that long. But uh, since becoming the champion, I guess she's changed up her cardio. She changed her camp a little bit. And, you know, she fixed the problems in her game. And that's what makes champions. So she proved why she should be a champion by uh, mitigating that X factor that a lot of people thought would lead to Shevchenko being declared the new champion. It's tough situation for Shevchenko to be in because now she's lost twice to the current champion. Uh, granted, they were both very close decisions and both, uh, you know, very competitive fights. But, you know, can you really put her in there a third time? And, you know, who else is a contender in this division? Luckily for Shevchenko, she does have a smaller frame. And at the end of this season of The Ultimate Fighter, we're going to have a 125 pound division. So I see her being very competitive in that division. Uh, you know, hopefully she's able to, she's an awesome fighter and uh, I'd like to see her have some continued success in the UFC. Any other thoughts on this main event before we move on? Uh, no, I think, uh, I think the Oilers chant was probably the most energy uh, <laughs> in the arena during the main event. So let's move on to the rest of the card because, you know, this was, a, like you said, leading up to this main event, it was an awesome card. And I was out at a bar with a friend and unfortunately he had to leave early. I had to get, get up early today. Uh, mm-hmm. So we left right, um, right after the light heavyweight bout on the main card. So I ended up missing the co-main event and the fight before oh. it. Um, I did catch it this morning, though. Uh, so really exciting fights. But, Bill, why don't you fill us in on the co-main event? Because uh, I think you were especially pleased with this one. Oh, man, this was an awesome co-main event. So Javier de los Andros obviously has looked amazing since moving up to welterweight. Uh, former 
uh, lightweight champion and just couldn't make the weight anymore. I mean, he almost, he almost died like trying to cut weight to fight Tony Ferguson. Um, so definitely not the right weight class for him. He looked phenomenal and he steamrolled Neil Magny, who is a really tough competitor, uh, very well-rounded, maybe slightly overrated by a lot of the hardcore fans, but definitely one of the toughest guy in the division, easily top 10. You can't argue that. Uh, I, I wouldn't see him in title contention anytime soon. Uh, you know, just because of the, the losses he's had uh, against top competition, but uh, I've never seen him get manhandled like this. Uh, you know, Dos Angeles just roughed him up and bullied him. And once it went to the ground, uh, he was beating him senselessly, and he he put one of the tightest arm triangles I've ever seen on Magny. And credit to Magny, he hung in there for a while uh, before before tapping. When I saw that thing get locked up, uh, there's no way he was able to breathe. Uh, so, and, and the thing about an arm triangle is it doesn't just. It's not like you can just pass out and it's that easy. You know, like a like in a rear naked choke, it's it's painful. Because it puts pressure, you know, your own arm is being crushed against your jaw and there's a lot of pressure on your jaw uh, before you actually pass out. So credit to him for hanging in there and it, eventually Dos Santos got to the tap and, you know, without a mark on him and he propelled himself uh, pretty high up, uh, I think, after this one. Uh, I think Magnum is ranked number six. So that definitely uh, bolsters Dos Santos up there. There's some interesting matchups for him. You know, you got, depending who Tyron Woodley fights next, uh, you know, you can make an argument for Dos Angeles being up there uh, in the top five. Uh, you, you know, maybe a fight with, with Robbie Lawler, if Lawler doesn't get the title shot, uh, would be interesting. Um, yeah, a lot, of, a lot of interesting things. So you caught this one this morning. What was your take on this fight, Jeff? Bill, I thought this was a great fight. Uh, Dos Angeles looked absolutely phenomenal in the cage and uh a big credit to that was his leg kicks man he's got vicious leg kicks i think you can ask uh what's his name nate diaz about it um mm -hmm. and you know i think that uh it was one of his first leg kicks that dropped magni so it was crazy to see that and uh those anjos uh he's uh he's a jiu-jitsu champion he knows what he's doing, and he was so patient in building up to uh, to that arm triangle because Neil Magny was doing such a good job of just uh, defending and you know trying to transition into better positions. Um, and at one point, Dosanjo's kind of jumped into mount, and uh, from there, I think it was pretty much over. Uh, so yeah, and like you said, dude, that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, um, but you know he timed it well. Uh, I think his mm -hmm. his base was really good. But um, dude, uh, I'm with you on that on uh, the arm triangle comments you're making because uh, that thing looked like it was locked in tight. Yeah. I mean, arm triangles they they like you don't feel yourself passing out until you've passed out. I've never passed out from one, but like it starts off slow and then all of a sudden you're like, oh man, I'm about to pass out, and yeah. um. Yeah, yeah, so it's one of those chokes that like comes like you start feeling it slowly, but um, the way Dos Anjos had it locked up was super tight. I thought Magny was gonna go out actually, um, 
you know, and he was in there for a while. It felt like he was in there for a good eight to 10 seconds. Um, and, and to be in a submission that tight, uh, it can, I think anybody else would have passed out, man. Credit in the world to Neil Magny and Dos Anjos looking like a superstar in there. Um, so Bill, uh, do you have any other comments or thoughts on, uh, that fight? No, I mean, just, just the fact that, you know, sometimes you, you have in your head that you'll just pass out to that arm triangle. But then, you know, when your eyeballs feel like they're going to pop out of your head and your jaw feels like it's going to shatter. I mean, you have a guy like Rafael de Santos squeezing your face. Uh, it probably feels like your, your skull's just going to combust. So, uh, I don't discredit Magni at all for tapping. He hung in there a lot longer than a lot of people would have. Uh, so let's move on to, uh, the only flyweight fight, on this card since the main event was canceled, which was an awesome fight and a complete destruction of Wilson Haste by Henry Cejudo, who improves markedly every time he gets in that cage. Uh, I, I still feel like when he fought Demetrius Johnson, he definitely wasn't ready for a championship fight. You know, he could have had, I think three or four more to get ready for that level of competition. But the problem is there's nobody left in this division. So they had to throw him in there. And, uh, you know, he, he just wasn't prepared. You know, he hadn't been in a main event or anything before, so he didn't know how to deal with the pressure. And, you know, I think his game plan went out the window. And then like we were saying earlier, you have a plan until you get punched in the face, but man, did he look phenomenal against Wilson Hayes last night and just destroyed him way faster than the champion did. You know, Mighty Mouse kind of took Wilson Hayes into deep water and then submitted him because uh, Wilson Hayes has had some issues with cardio in the past, but Harry Cejudo didn't waste any time. He just came out of the gate, blasted him. Uh, some really crisp boxing from him. He came out with a weird kind of karate stance, kind of Conor McGregor, Leota Machida-esque. Uh, he was training with the Pitbull brothers down in Brazil, so... Uh, he's really trying to develop his skill set and just really an impressive performance from Henry Cejudo. He might have just saved the flyweight division with that performance because uh, nobody else has really been trying to take on that task, in my opinion. Uh, so he, he ends up getting the TKO in the second round, but you could have argued that it could have been stopped at the end of the first. I mean, Wilson Hayes came out uh, basically punch drunk into that second round. So what were your thoughts on this fight, Jeff? Uh, Bill, I was really impressed with Henry Cejudo. He looks better every single time he steps into that octagon, man. And I, I agree with you that uh, he was, he definitely was not ready for Demetrius Johnson, but I feel like that loss to Demetrius Johnson just, uh, I think it just made him better because he looked so calm in this fight. He looked so composed. He was picking his shots. He, um, even when he rocked, uh, Wilson Hayes in the first round, uh, I think he rocked him with, um, I think it was a left hook and you know, he didn't go crazy. He, he like clinched up and he realized that he wasn't going to get too many shots in. So he started picking his shots. He went for a couple of leg kicks. Uh, he didn't go crazy, which I was really impressed with. Uh, I thought he was going to try to just unload and maybe punch himself out. But, um, something that you commented on last night, cause we were texting as you know, we tend to do during these fight cards. Mm-hmm. Um, you were mentioning Cejudo's hand speed and you know, 
yesterday I was I was making jokes about it, but uh, I hadn't seen the fight, and then I went back and saw it this morning, and there was one punch that dropped Wilson Hayes at the start of the second round, and it just came out like a I don't even know how to explain it. It was like a shot from a gun. It was just pop, and yeah. and uh, Hayes went down. So you know the uh, Cejudo, uh, an Olympic champion in wrestling. Uh, freestyle, I believe, and I guess because he has that uh, confidence in his ground game, you know, it just gives him so much time to develop and improve and really hone in on his striking and stand-up. So it was really impressive, uh, really impressive uh, performance from Cejudo last night. Yeah, definitely. And that that punch, that finishing right hand, it came out like a piston in a diesel engine, just like punch. I mean, it was a punch, obviously, but just punched right in there, like, and it was so fast. And I, I love that Joe Rogan asked uh, to see it again in real time because they showed it in slow motion, and in slow motion, it looked fucking fast. So, uh, yeah, ridiculous hand speed from Cejudo. Uh, he really put on display uh, what made the flyweight division exciting in the first place, and that's fast-paced fights by small, lightweight guys uh, who can put on exciting performances and. I was glad to see, you know, I've been one of the people advocating that this flyweight division might be done and it, and it wouldn't be a big deal if they just cut it from the UFC and Bellator, whomever picked it up because there's just no competition. The fights haven't been exciting. Um, but yeah, Henry Cejudo breathing a little life back into this division. And he had an opportunity to call out Mighty Mouse. He went over screaming at him at the end of the fight. And then when Joe Rogan interviewed him, he's like, what did you say to Mighty Mouse? He's like, oh, we're just having fun. You know, I want to get a few more fights uh, and fight for the title again eventually. He could have gotten on the microphone and been like, I'm not going to miss weight or I'm not going to pull out if we fight and I'm going to make weight and I'm going to be there in your face. I just destroyed the guy uh, you beat last way quicker than you did. And mm. he could have called him out for a title shot because there's nobody else who can fight. Uh, who knows if they'll give Ray Borg another shot again. Uh, you know, unless they want to just feed him to Mighty Mouse to, so he can get this uh, title defense record. But I think uh, Henry Cejudo may have missed a big opportunity there uh, to call Mighty Mouse out. But, you know, credit to him if he feels like he's still not ready for that championship caliber fight because he's been in there, he knows what to expect, and he knows what he needs to work on. So uh, him staying humble and you know, knowing that he, he may not be ready to get back in there again with Mighty Mouse, but uh, when he is and when he is confident enough to get in there, uh, you can believe he's going to he's gonna give him a, a really big test if he keeps improving at the rate that he has been. So moving on to the last fight that you saw before you had to leave the bar, uh, light heavyweight matchup between Alir Latifi and Tyson Pedro. Tyson Pedro was undefeated going into this match. He had never been out of the first round. Uh, but no question that Alir Latifi is the highest level of competition he's faced as of yet. So we saw that you know his his quick finish ability may not translate into high level competition, but we definitely saw that he can hang in there uh, while seeing some adversity. And I think what got the decision for Latifi was his wrestling. Obviously, uh, high high caliber. A wrestler. He's a wrestling coach for a lot of uh, high-level fighters, including Alexander Gustafson. So uh, I thought this was a, a pretty exciting match. It was pretty back and forth. The two guys with a lot of power kind of slugging it out. And, you know, you had that what if of the young kid 
with the quick finishing ability, you know, the whole time. So I thought it was a pretty solid matchup. What were your thoughts, Jeff? Yeah, I agree. It was a fun match. It was a fun fight to watch. Um, I thought Tyson Pedro, despite the adversity, I think he did well. Uh, he did manage to get out from under Latifi a few times, especially in the first and second round. Uh, so I was really impressed with that. I thought he would struggle a little more because Latifi, like you said, high-level wrestler out of Europe, um, really, really good uh, top game. And Pedro, you know, he ha- he hung in there. He was able to get out from under him. And in the second round, dude, there was this uh, – Latifi went to pick up Pedro, and I guess Pedro was, like, squirming around so he couldn't, like, flip him over. And he just dropped Tyson Pedro right on his face. It was ridiculous. And, um, you know, I kind of thought he was a little wobbled after that. But um, he hung in there, man. He went to the decision first time going into the deep water. So, you know, I was pretty impressed with impressed with Pedro. But uh, credit in the all the credit in the world to Latifi, who looked great in there and just made Pedro carry his weight for three rounds. Um, so Pedro was clearly exhausted, taking some deep breaths in between rounds. Uh, but what was your take on this, Bill? Yeah. yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head with a lot of what you said, Jeff. And I think uh, Tyson Pedro definitely has a lot of potential. And now that he's been into deep water with high-level competition, uh, he knows that he can't just uh, continue going in there and breezing through guys, getting them out of there in the first round. He's got to be prepared uh, to have a little bit more of a gas tank and be able to face some high-level wrestling. So he's got some things to work on, but I think he has all the tools to definitely be competitive in a very, very thin division right now, especially with the champ potentially out uh, for another two to four years where he's out of suspension. So um, the fight right before that was, you know, had all the makings for, you know, fight of the century, and it was a really exciting fight, but not for the reasons we would have guessed. We would have thought that these two who have a history of barn-burning slugfests would go in there and just start slinging leather at each other. Uh, That was kind of the case, but Jeremy Stevens, a little more composed than we've seen him in the past. He wasn't just swinging big bombs. He was swinging big bombs, but that wasn't all he was doing, which is pretty typical game plan for Jeremy Stevens. He was attacking the legs of Gilbert Melendez, practically broke Gilbert's lead leg in half and in the first round and Gilbert Melendez toughed it out. He fell down. uh, I lost, I lost track maybe six or seven times and he got off his stool every time for every round. And every time he got knocked down when he was asked to get back up, he did. Uh, The referee told him he was going to stop the fight, which uh, there's no need because he was still clearly defending himself. Uh, Iron Man of the Century Award has to go to Gilbert Melendez for this performance. Still impressive performance by Jeremy Stevens. Um, I think he, he may have been a little bit too patient, and he might have been able to get Gilbert out of there a couple of times, but he definitely respected Gilbert Melendez. Even on one leg, Gilbert was able to back Jeremy Stevens up and have some really crisp boxing. Uh, Jeremy Stevens had to know he's not getting any kicks thrown at him. It's only hands that Gilbert was throwing towards the end of the fight. And he was still backing Jeremy Stevens up and who backs Jeremy Stevens up. Uh, so definitely an impressive performance by both of these guys. Uh, and again, it wasn't exciting for the reasons you would have thought, 
But just the toughness of Gilbert Melendez, I think, was the story of this fight. Uh, what was your take on this one, Jeff? Yeah, Bill, agree with you 100%. Melendez is so unbelievably tough, dude. Because um, Jeremy Stevens, I think maybe his third leg kick, um, you could see a lot of swelling near Melendez's knee. Uh, yeah. It looked like he had another muscle coming out of it. It was crazy. And and like you said, man, uh, every round he stood up, came out for the fight. And I think Jeremy Stevens, he fought the right way against Melendez. I think that, um, you know, Melendez, super tough dude. He's got a tough chin on him. Uh, we don't see him get finished a lot. So I think Jeremy Stevens did the right thing. He was picking his shots, trying to control the distance. But uh, all the credit in the world to Melendez, dude. Uh, he's so unbelievably tough. I think... Um, I think any normal man would have just uh, came out for the second round, gone down on one knee, and just tapped the mat to let him know it was over. Because, um, yeah, you know, unbelievable, man. Melendez so yeah, tough. Yeah, I, I was looking at it. I I didn't want to get off the couch. My leg hurt just looking at it. I don't know if you could hear the commentary because I know you're at a bar for this one, but. Joe Rogan said it looked like a rat was trying to crawl out of Gilbert Melendez's leg. <laughs> and, oh, man. I unfortunately did not get to hear that comment. But, he definitely, um, definitely had a break or some kind of muscle contusion or hematoma or something in there. But uh, he was still light on his feet. His boxing looked super crisp. And, you know, you can't take away the victory from Jeremy Stevens. Uh, I mean, he was able to, to outpoint a, a – fucking Terminator and Gilbert Melendez. Uh, definitely want to see both of these guys back. Uh, it's good to see uh, um, featherweight competitors uh, of this caliber. And both these guys had fought at lightweight before. They both dropped down. This was Gilbert's first fight at 145 in over 10 years. And I definitely want to see him back in there again. Uh, the fight I want to see next, Jeremy Stevens and Yair Rodriguez, I think. That has the, the makings for uh, one of the greatest fights you can put together. So, Yair Rodriguez coming off that beatdown from Frankie Edgar. Jeremy Stevens has a loss to Frankie Edgar. I, I say this matchup makes the most sense possible. And then um, Gilbert Melendez, I definitely want to see him back. He'll, he should definitely be uh, on a main card, even though he's coming off a couple of losses. Uh, what do you think about that Stevens-Rodriguez matchup potential, Jeff? Yeah, Bill, um, that actually sounds like a really fun fight to watch. Both of them very uh, dynamic strikers, very strong dudes. So I'd definitely pay money to see that one. Yeah, cool. All right, so I want to kind of uh, breeze over the rest of this for the sake of time. I want to get this episode uh, posted, uh, you know, before I lose power and everything here and, and get this up uh, so I can get the word out to everybody what's been going on in this hurricane. But uh, two impressive uh, female fights I want to talk about, and two very high-level uh, female wrestlers getting submitted. Uh, you know, wrestling is not a skill you typically see amongst the female fighters because a lot of them didn't grow up wrestling. Sarah McMahon and Ashley Evans-Smith are two uh, women who probably have the best wrestling in women's MMA. It, I'd be hard-pressed to find... Uh, anyone else with their wrestling credentials, but uh, both submitted uh, McMahon in the second round after a dominant first round over Ketlin Vieira and Ashley Evan Smith submitted uh, via armbar by uh, Sarah Morass. Morass. Um, so these were both impressive performances, uh, and and two wrestlers 
uh, uh, getting submitted here. So uh, did you catch either of these fights, Jeff? And if not, you definitely need to go back and watch these. Yeah, I was fortunate enough to watch both of these fights uh, and, you know, super technical stuff. Uh, Vieira getting a, an arm triangle from a very strange angle. It mm -hmm. wasn't the angle that you normally get an arm triangle from. She was more on top of McMahon instead of to the side, uh, a little perpendicular to her. And Sarah Morris, man, she worked her ass off for that arm bar and it paid off. I, it looked like she broke Evan Smith's arm at one point. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, two very exciting fights. Definitely go back and catch those if you didn't. Yeah, with that arm bar, Joe Rogan asked her, he's like, it looked like her arm popped, and she was like, yeah, well, I hope so. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, Sarah Morris is a weird chick, man. She's she's. Yeah. I don't think she's uh, wrapped up so tight. Yeah, I'd say so, but she's definitely an exciting fighter. So, uh, yeah, Vieira with that arm triangle like you were saying was from a very odd angle i was surprised she finished it because i was looking at her going for it and i was like she's up against the cage she doesn't have enough room to jump over to the other side which is typically how you would finish that you want to be on the same side as the arm you're trapping to finish that submission but she was able to you know put enough shoulder pressure down you know sarah mcmahon has some thick arms so i guess it was enough to cut off the circulation uh, and she was able to put enough shoulder pressure down to finish that, but definitely impressive performance from Caitlin Vieira, who had a huge hematoma on her head. She looked like she was growing a fucking rhinoceros horn out of the middle of her face at the end. <laughs> but, you know, credit to her. She was able to, maybe that's what helped. Maybe that rhinoceros horn helped put like extra pressure on the arm triangle and she used it as leverage. I don't know, but <laughs> definitely uh, impressive uh, performances from the ladies last night in Canada. So, you know, even after talking about this, uh, definitely an exciting card. I, uh, I picked up some beer uh, on, on my way to Palm Coast, you know, stopped at one of the only gas stations that was open. And I was like, you know what, if I'm going to be stuck in this thing, I might as well have a couple of beers while I'm sitting with the power out around some candles, uh, playing cards or whatever. So I picked up some Sam Adams Oktoberfest. Uh, I guess maybe I wanted to feel like it's fall a little bit down here and Oktoberfest beer always makes me think of fall. So Sam Adams Oktoberfest is one of those beers that got really trendy a while ago and for good reason. It's really tasty beer. It's dark, malty. It's got kind of like caramel notes to it. And uh, I feel like they've changed the recipe a little bit. It's gotten a little bit lighter. It used to be like a lot darker and it's one of those beers that's really good on draft. Uh, if I recall, I hadn't had it in a while. Uh, Oktoberfest beers from Germany are usually very light. Uh, they're usually like lean towards more of a Pilsner type of beer. Uh, but Oktoberfest in here in the United States, you know, is more like pumpkin spice and nutmeg and things like that. So it, it has like a rich, uh, taste to it. You know, Sam Adams, Boston lager, which is kind of their staple. This is like the middle of the spectrum for them. That's like the starting point. If you've ever had Sam Adams beer before, I'm sure a lot of you have. And, um, you know, so they get that rich maltiness to the Oktoberfest, which I, I always enjoyed. And it's got a little bit of spice to it, too. So it's a nice, it's very filling beer, though. You know, two of those and you'll be feeling like you, you want to switch to a Bud Light or something. But uh, that's what I got. So I got some of those in the fridge. And uh, hopefully they stay cold when the power goes out. And I'll be sitting here in the dark drinking some Sam Adams, hopefully staying dry 
Uh, have you? Uh, what were you sipping on at the bar last night, Jeff, for UFC 215? Yeah, Bill. So I cut it down to just one drink last night, trying to lose a little weight. So uh, didn't want to have too many carbs, especially since I ordered mac and cheese and fries before that. <laughs> <laughs> one beer with my mac and cheese and fries. <laughs> but uh. <laughs> yeah, to be in my defense, though, it was only the second time I ate all day, so I needed some carbs. Right. But um, anyway, I had a um, Goose Island uh, Juicy Double IPA. Um, nice. Yeah, so really good, really hoppy, had some citrus notes in it. Uh, I was tasting a little bit of the orange coming through, so it was a really good beer. I really enjoyed it. Um, so if you can, Bill, uh, as soon as you get out of this mess – some Goose Island uh, Juicy Double IPA. Awesome. Is Sounds my good. I, I, do like, I do like the Goose Island IPA. The regular IPA is really tasty beer. So I'd, I definitely want to try out the, the double IPA. And, uh, you know, I, I'm going to get through this thing, Jeff. I'm determined. Uh, I feel pretty well prepared. So, you know, keep the drinks on ice. And, and uh, I'll be up in New York next month. And, and we'll be toasting and telling some stories about this thing when it's all over uh as for everybody else uh if you want to follow along on social media i'll be i'll be posting until i'm not able anymore at mma on the rocks facebook instagram twitter if you want to get a hold of jeff it's at animal underscore wilson on twitter he's always got some interesting commentary on the fights uh so go check that out uh please subscribe on itunes and anywhere else even though i don't know when the next time i'll be able to post an episode is and please take the time to leave a review wherever it is you are listening, whether it's a thumbs up on YouTube or a, a rating on iTunes or Google Play or wherever it happens to be. And that's all we got for this week. So I'm hoping to stay dry. I'm hoping to get another episode uh, whenever I'm able. And until next time, cheers, everybody. Goodbye. Goodbye.